My name is Jerry. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. I had a serious problem last year. Uh, After six operations, I was home and I had a stroke. And I'll forget words sometime. So I've written some things down here and which I hated to do, but um, anyway, I'm a real overeater. Uh, The word real on page 30 and 31 appears three times. Um, A real alcoholic. the first, the first seven years of my life, I had no problem with food. I don't think that I was born an overeater. And I had no interest in food. Um, I used to throw food under the table, out the window, literally. And I was very, very skinny. Uh, In my early, early pictures, you could count my ribs. I call those the good old days. (laughs) Um, About seven years passed, and my folks divorced. They were both rageaholics, and I had a very tumultuous upbringing. Um... After after my folks divorced, I started to gain weight. Um, That's how the divorce affected me. And by the time I was 10 or 11, the doctor suggested I lose 10 or 15 pounds, which I did very easily, abruptly. it was the only time that I easily lost 10 pounds. Um, that was the beginning of, if you look at a chart, it goes like this. Losing and gaining weight plus five pounds each time, like everybody's heard. And it didn't bother me too much at the time. Uh, when I gained a sufficient amount of weight, I started to feel uneasy, and I was made fun of. Every morning going to school, I would stop at a candy store and get something called a chunky block of... Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I thought I'd be dated. Do they still make them? (laughs) Anyway, I got the nickname Chunky from the two store owners. They'd see me come in and say, good morning, Chunky. And um, I had another nickname in, in my neighborhood, Porky. That was for Porky Pig. That wasn't as kind. And that's what the kind of thing that I had to put up with. Um, the neighborhood kids were a little less 
forgiving um, than in school. But I had a rough time. And um, as I grew older, I started getting shots, the uric acid, um, pills, hypnosis. Um, help me out here. The, the pins. Acupuncture. Thank you. Um, when I was old enough to vote, I remember being online and suddenly I went blind, completely blind. Uh, later during the day, I found out that was from the pills. Uh, it was a real panic. I called my doctor. He didn't know what was going on. I remembered the pill doctor and I called him. And he said, oh, don't worry. That happens some of the time. <laughs> he said that happens some of the time. Um, in a couple of hours, you'll be all right again. And it lasted until that evening, actually. I was really panicked. Um, for some reason... By the time I was 14, 15 years old, my weight had gone back to almost normal. I suspect it had something to do with girls. Um, my first steady girl, I was 15 years old. And that lasted through the first couple of years of college. When I was a freshman in college, I also went to uh, New York Trade Tech um, in the evenings, and I studied piano technology, rebuilding and tuning pianos. And uh, I was able to do that and be a professional musician for 25 years. I taught music. And... Um, I did all three. Um, when I was in college, I decided that I was going to be very spiritual, but I was also an atheist. And... Um, I felt like... I didn't want to have to lean on anything. I actually felt very superior to a lot of people by doing this. Um, how I felt spiritual, I don't know, but I did. I remember telling people how spiritual I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had no basis for that, really. Um, After college, I, I couldn't take dealing with my mother anymore, and I decided that after having um, a visit to California, I decided to move to California in 1960. 
My mother followed the following year. <laughs> you can't keep a good woman down. <laughs> that was pretty rough. Although um, she married a fantastic person. My stepdad was a wonderful guy. He was, he was my savior. And, um, yeah, it was a sorry day when he died. Anyway, I had to constantly put up with my mother. And I married. I had a 13-year, very, very stormy relationship with my ex-wife. And before my divorce... There was a woman who 12-stepped me, and she mentioned OA, and it went in one ear and out the other, or so I thought. But after my divorce, I moved into a little apartment. One of the first things I did was decided to jog, and on a Saturday morning, I went out jogging, and I couldn't make it to the end of the block. I was devastated. I was huffing and puffing, and, and I remembered those two letters, O-A. And I decided to look in the yellow pages, and I called, and I got the meeting directory, and I went to my first meeting. Um was at a church on Olympic Boulevard in Crescent Heights. And I went there at 6 o'clock in the evening, and there was a card table, and the big book was on the card table. And I hung around maybe a half an hour, and there was nobody there. And I went into another room in this church, thinking maybe that's where the meeting was, and after about an hour, I was really fed up. I took the big book and I left. <laughs> so much for spirituality. <laughs> I, I, I really felt entitled to having that book. It turned out that I was about an hour and a half late, I mean early, to that meeting. And um, I didn't know that for a couple of weeks. My second meeting was at Palms Park, and that became my home meeting. That was 1974 in uh, September. So I'm an old-timer. And for most of my time since then, I've been to meetings. There was one time when I left the program for about almost two years. Um, I had gained all my weight back. I was fed up with myself and with OA. And I decided to have nothing to do with it. There was one thing about OA. Um, a lot of a lot of the sayings stuck in my mind. And um, I remember the first couple of meetings, I really thought there was like mass hypnosis. 
everybody was jolly and having a good time and hugging and people were various weights and I just could not understand it. I really thought there was something going on there and I decided to give it a good chance. What I didn't do was get a sponsor. The first six or seven years, I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't read the book. I just went to meetings. I did lose weight, but then I gained it back, and I would gain and lose and gain and lose. And when I was losing, I was asked to speak at meetings, and I started to date in program and out of program. And then a great thing happened. I met Arlene. The love of my life. After six months of dating, we moved in together. And then I was terror stricken. I heard that the longer that you live together, the less likelihood that you'll be married. And so I asked her to marry me. And she said no. (laughs) And I waited six months or a year and I asked again and she said no. And the third time was the charm. Um... I had two children from my first marriage, and um, it was sad that I couldn't feel emotionally to have children again. But the two of us in program uh, supported each other, and that was very important. We would gain and lose weight. And um, I still had I still had a lot of trouble with the words life being unmanageable. That really bothered me. Here I was, a professional musician for 25 years. Um, I had a thriving piano business, rebuilding pianos, tuning. I was the vice president over 650 some odd people in my guild. And this book was telling me life being unmanageable. I, I just had one little problem. I was uh, 327 pounds. Just a little problem with food. Over and over and over and over. Um, You're going to have to help me out here again. Um, Incomprehensible. Thank you. That's my stroke, folks. Um, Incomprehensible demoralization. Wow. 
couldn't describe my feelings any better than that. I really felt like I was a basket case. I really felt like there was something very, very wrong with me. Um, I couldn't get it. I would go to a meeting, and after the meeting, I'd go to Jack in the Box or McDonald's. And as I was driving there, I was starting to curse myself. I could not stop. I, I couldn't stop eating anything and everything. I'd go to a meeting. I'd be reading or I'd, uh, I don't know. I just could not get over it. The feelings were horrible. And I finally got a sponsor. And he said, let's see what you've learned in the big book. And I told him I haven't read the big book. And I hadn't. Um, other than standing up in front of people and reading something from the big book. And so we started, and it was an eye-opener. Um, that was a long, long time ago. I've had three sponsors, and I bless all three sponsors. Uh, my first sponsor was getting sicker and sicker, and he finally told me that I'd have to look for another sponsor, which really crushed me at the time. And just a couple of months ago, I happened to see him and his wife at the Roxbury meeting. And um, it was wonderful to see him again. Um, anyway, I remember when, when we would go on vacations, everything was around restaurants and food. Um, every day I was thinking about my next meal. And here was a sponsor. He was a guy who was giving me his time. And it was wonderful. He was giving me suggestions. And I started taking suggestions. I started losing weight. I started really working the program. And um, I remember hearing at a meeting, feelings are not reality. At first, I wasn't really quite sure what that meant. Um, but feelings are not reality. I feel like I'm never going to lose my abstinence. That's not a reality. I feel as though how, you know, in next, this coming April, I'm going to have 20 years, maybe. I say maybe. Depending, I, all I know is today. My feeling is I'm not going to blow it, not 20 years. But it's possible. That's always a possibility. 
All I know is today. And um, I never want to test, test those feelings, really. Um, my wife and I have been married for 28 years, and we've been together Long, long time. <laughs> I guess another ten years besides that, almost. And um, there were a lot of rough spots in the beginning. Um, other than the OA program, we have both seeked outside help, and it's been tremendous. A great combination. And I feel closer than ever to my wife and my children. I feel really fortunate. Um, one of the things that I never thought was possible <sighs> oh, I'm going to forget the word <laughs> gratitude. <laughs> I never thought that I would feel gratitude for much. Um, when my father died, um, the house that I was promised went to my aunt. Um, I was pretty much left out of the loop. When my mother died, my sister got her house, which I could understand. Uh, I was doing very well. My sister was not doing very well. Um, but my father's house, that really got to me. Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I had forgiven my aunt. And um, I actually visited her, stayed at her house, and when I left, I told her that I loved her, and I meant it. Um, I feel gratitude on a daily basis today, thanks to this program. Um, there's so much that's possible on a daily basis. I, I feel gratitude for my sponsors. And... Um, my God, it's time to quit. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions are my own and not of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Oh. All right, any questions? Yes. Hi, thank you. 
Could you describe, I presume that you did use the 12 steps in adjusting yourself both physically and psychologically to your stroke. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you used the steps for that? You know, I remember so little from that stroke. Um, I, I had the books at the hospital and at the rehab. And I remember thinking, no matter what, I'll get through this. I didn't know if I would. Um, I couldn't wait for my wife to show up each day, each evening. Uh, that was about the most, probably the most important thing to me. Um, I had the books. Especially, I relate, I still relate more to the OA 12 and 12. Um, I read the big book more now than ever. I relate more to that now. The stories. Almost every one of the stories. Um, when I was in rehab, well, that's for another time. I don't know if that's answered your question, but yes. Thank you, Jerry. You described yourself early on as an atheist. What is your relationship now ah. with a higher power? Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was after I got a sponsor, I realized I don't think this is going to work. I'm going to have to do something about my higher power. Even though there are atheists also who are very successful in the program, I didn't know that at the time. Uh, it's not very likely that I would have remained an atheist anyway. Um, but I did form my, my own higher power. And... Um, I'll explain right about here inside my head is an oblong. I don't know why I chose an oblong, but that's that was my my ego. And I have my sense of self within that ego feeding my my healthy ego. And my higher power is that part of me that is all-knowing that I strive for. It's that simple. Thank you, Ellie. Yes? Thank you. Um, you talked about gaining weight, losing weight over and over again before um, you got a sponsor. I'm just wondering what that process was like for you. Like, what do you think was leading to that, that pattern? What was what? What was... What always went on, uh, I was fighting food all the time. Uh, I could never... (sighs) 
I, I could never get it. Um, I would think as I lost weight, this is it. And it wasn't it. I'd still fight the food again over and over and over. And so when I couldn't take it any longer, I'd start to lose weight and then abruptly gain weight again. I don't know if that answers your question. Okay. Anyone else? Yes. You said you would go to the fast food place and you just couldn't stop yourself, so uh, are you still doing that? No, no. No, I haven't done that in a long, long time. My abstinence, my abstinence has changed over the years, but um, I don't seem to have much of a problem between breakfast and lunch, or between lunch and dinner. Um, I started by having low fats. I have three meals a day, most of the time. Sometimes I won't have breakfast, but most of the time I have three meals. I used to have two snacks. And that's because everybody in program talked about two snacks. <laughs> I, uh, I rarely have even one snack. I, I don't think about food a lot. I get enough food. And um, right now, I'm trying one or two meals by having a protein drink, but I'll have it for dinner because that's where most of my calories went. Um, other than that, I just eat three regular meals a day and I have almost no sugar. Out of 365 days a year, I might have sugar four or five times. And for me, that's a miracle. One of the miracles of the program. Arlene. How do you use the, the tools on a daily basis on the program? I... Probably use most of the tools on a daily basis. I recite them to myself. I'm one of the worst things for me is the telephone. That's what I use the least. But other than that, I, I love meditating. That has helped me so much. Um, I started out meditating maybe two or three minutes a couple of times a week, and I meditate for 10, 15 minutes a day, every day. I look forward to it, and I write. I love writing. Someone had suggested I not use a pen but a pencil because the lead slides better over the paper. and. 
the first time I was asked to write something, I said, I, I have nothing. I have nothing to write about. And she said, well, then say that. I have nothing to write about. And I wrote that about four or five times, and I wrote two or three pages that day, that very first day. So I, I try and use all of the... I, I try and use everything I can. Was there another hand? Thanks for your share, Jerry. Can you talk about your experience with um, Seth Nye and uh, specifically maybe how you kick-started it, how you, how you maybe started it again? <clears throat> that was so rough for me. It was a matter of pride, I see now. Um, I, one of the most difficult things, I, I was still in therapy at the time, and I happened to mention to my therapist that I was doing all these amends, and he said, what about your ex-wife? I said, what about her? <laughs> He said, what did she do about your amends? I said, I haven't made amends to her. That's crazy. She should make amends to me. I still didn't get it at the time. Anyway, he insisted that I made amends to my ex-wife. And I said in a letter how I used to blame her. She would cook or bake and leave something on the counter and I would eat it. Not one for having responsibilities, I blamed her. So he said, an amends is in order. I said, if I made an amends like that in writing, she would blab that all over town. And he just stared at me like he was wont to do, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And I wrote this letter, and I kept it for a few days, and I finally ripped my teeth and I mailed it. And I thought, I don't know what I thought, but I got a response that same week. And in the letter, my ex-wife said, I forgave you a long time ago. Um... We hadn't spoken, we haven't spoken um, since 1974, since my divorce. When she comes into a room, she'll walk by me like I don't exist. And that's fine with me, it's her loss. Um, so I hope that answered your question, Nick. There was another hand. Yes. We didn't always do this at the same time. So um, one of us was supporting the other, but um, there were times when we were both at our top weights. 
And it was very self-defeating. Um, does that answer it? Uh, anything else? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Um, in the last couple of years, there's a lot of health problems, and it's like, church can talk about staying abstinent. Yes, I have two stents, and that happened. Um, that happened quite a few years ago. As far as my stroke, um, I'm taking medications for it, but I think about it every single day. And I have to have an operation to replace a knee. Oh, I'm sorry. How did I stay abstinent? Um, I think my condition hasn't had very much to do with my abstinence. I feel, though, that that's about the least of my worries right now. I don't want to have a heart attack. I don't want to have another stroke. Um, Okay, at the rehab, I was, the rehab had wonderful food, by the way. Ah, man, that was a challenge in itself. And they had desserts twice a day. And so I spoke to the dietician and I said, I'd like a small cup of fruit for dessert. And that's what I did for lunch and dinner. And as far as the food, I decided to to leave over at least a third of, I, of my lunch and my dinner. And I was able to lose uh, another 45 pounds last year. And I feel like I could do that more easily being in bed having not much to do, uh, I just took that as, as um, something from God. <laughs> so I've lost a total of 150 pounds, and I've had my doctor tell me um, when I asked him what kind of shape he thinks that I'm going to be in for my upcoming surgery, he said, I'd like you to gain some weight. <laughs> that was the first time in many, many years. <laughs> it was nice to hear it. And that's what I'm doing. I, I'm trying to lose about 10 pounds consciously. Any other hands? That should do it. Thank you very much.
Peter, thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. Okay.